We're back with another edition of the GOAT Zoom Room. Have the Triple Crown in the rear view mirror now. Mo Donegal won the Belmont Stakes of the weekend. We'll maybe briefly touch on that just for a minute or so, just to kind of, you know, put a bow on it and get it over with. But the most exciting race meet I think that I enjoy, I would say Andy would certainly agree that this is one of his favorite meetings as well. Royal Ascot is coming up, and we're going to be discussing day one. Of the entries, it's Queen Anne Day, also going to be the day of the King's Stand. So really, really exciting day. The first day is usually one of the more exciting ones. But, of course, there's plenty of other races every other day. There's a grade one on every single card. So something for everybody with Royal Ascot. But, Andy, what did you think of Mo Donegal's performance in the Belmont Stakes? Uh, it was impressive, and we were completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we were. We were, I, were definitely wrong. <laughs> I seriously I seriously didn't think that a horse that, that plotted like that could actually outrun a filly like Ness, but he showed that Uncle Mo can get a mile and a half, um, and uh, I know when I'm wrong, and hats off to Andrew Champagne for being really, really on top of it, but um, Ness didn't run badly at all. I, th I thought she ran huge, and uh, I thought she ran giant, given that she kind of fell out of the the gate and wasn't in kind of the most favorable position for her. I thought, I'm not sure if she would have ever beat Rose Donegal, but I thought she ran just absolutely incredible. And um, yeah, hats off to Andrew for calling that right. Also, he was the one that said, there's no way, shape, or form flight line gets beat. And he was right on that as well. Yeah, we tried to beat him on that one too. And uh, yeah. Um, uh, you know, uh, horse is special and uh, you know, nothing, nothing to say there. And then, uh, you know, we both, I think I faded Latrushka, which was nice. Um, but we were wrong on the winner. Um, Clarier for some reason ran a huge race and it was a good, it was a good Belmont stakes and Tribute Haven is now on my, I hate list for the rest of my life. And, um, that'll be it. <laughs> he's, he's a horse that I've played a lot. And have, you know, had a couple hits with and then had a lot of misses. I did play him the other day because I was just tired of wasting money on him. So he's officially on my dead to me list as well. But <laughs> <laughs> we'll not be betting him back. But let's go ahead and get to the topic of hand. Um, first day of Royal Ascot coming up Tuesday. We have the Queen Anne Stakes as the headliner, but plenty of other races. The Coventry Stakes is the second race. King Stand is the third, followed by the, the St. James's Palace Stakes. And we have a listed stake and a couple of handicaps coming up next. The Ascent Stakes, the Wolferton Stakes, and the Copper Horse Stakes. So plenty of things to like in this card. But Andy, let's go ahead. Let's get started with the Queen Anne. We'll go ahead and we'll do just this race card by itself today since this is such a, you know, big day. And then we'll maybe for our next couple of shows, we'll do, you know, the Wednesday, Thursday card together. And then we'll do the Friday, Saturday card together just for you know time's sake but really exciting you know kind of one of the centerpiece days of Royal Ascot coming up so Queen Anne we have seven runners highlighted by who I believe is the best horse in the world flight line or no flight line in Baid. So I texted you and said Jesus Baid and I didn't say anything else and you freaked out because you thought something wrong something bad had happened um, but yeah, um, you know, I kind of was trying to find knocks on him and quite honestly, he got handwritten every, in every race I saw. So 
um, until somebody beats him and until he shows that he's not the horse that I thought uh, I think he is, I'll um, be more than happy to um, eat chalk here and put him on top. But um, it's it's really a non-starter for me. I think I think we both agree that Baid is probably by far the easiest winner on the card for the entire the entire Royal Ascot week. I think he'd have to drop Jim Crawley to lose this race. I think he could do the running man and run backward down the straight at Royal Ascot and win this race um, pretty much no matter what. So it's really looking for the horses that are going to finish, you know, second, third underneath of him. I think that'd be the only opportunity to make any type of money in any way, shape or form in this race. Um, how surprised were you to see Order of Australia in this race? Um more surprised at the fact that he's actually entered in like five different races uh, from now until I think the middle of uh, October. So they've already planned out his racing for the year. So I think that was a more surprising deal as far as. What's, what's a little bit surprising to me was, you know, I heard that he'd been retired. Um, they hadn't really picked out a stud farm to send him to yet. I'm not sure there was really that much interest. I don't think there was a ton of interest on, you know, Coolmore's part, but they never said anything. So I thought, oh, they're probably just going to be shopping for 2022 and we'll see him maybe in like Sweden or Italy or something in 2023. And then all of a sudden I see him in the entries a few weeks ago for the Queen Anne. I'm just like, where did this come from? Like, what a lofty place to be putting for your first race back in almost the years up against Baid. Sounds good. So. Yeah, especially after his his effort at Keeneland. I mean, that was a really, really foul race, right? I mean, yeah, he didn't he didn't fire. He he ran. He plain and simple, he just never fired, right? And yeah. he just he he just never got had contact with a bit, and that was it. Um, so that kind of kind of put it in a situation. To where I was like, eh, I think maybe he's a he's probably he's a throwout for me. And also, from what I see as far as the entries are concerned, um, they have him entered in two ten for long efforts down the line on July second and September tenth, and then a seven and an eight for long efforts in between. So um, I'm thinking they're probably looking at longer than the mile for right now. And I, I think this is just a fitness test for him. I, I just don't see him firing. Of course, we could both be wrong and he wins and we look foolish, but I had to oh, he, it. I would literally never bet a horse race again if he came back and beat <laughs> Baid, to be honest with you. Because I just like, especially that long off the shelf, but what caliber of a horse we're talking about here, I just like, I don't see it. He's not one I'll be using. Two that I'm kind of keen to use underneath would certainly be Chinnitz for uh, Richard Hannon. And then, honestly, the champ from several years ago, an accidental agent. I, you know, I kind of look at all the horses underneath. Uh, Real World might kind of be a little bit better than some of these other ones, but they're almost all completely rated the same on time form. So it's just kind of like throwing darts and really picking what one you want to use underneath. I've always liked lights on, but I definitely don't think she's in the same form as she's been maybe last year. So I'm really wanting to use accidental agent somewhere. Cause he loves this course. Certainly he's seen better days, but I mean, so has half this field. 
Yeah, he um you know, he definitely improved after after um his wind surgery at the end of 2020, right? And came back, ran huge, but man, this is just such a different animal um race-wise. Chindit Chindit to me is the one horse that I I I I watched some of his tape and he just grinds like mm-hmm. he got passed by Baid. He could have just thrown in the towel and been like, Oh, I'm done. I, I'm just going to finish last. Right. And instead he, I mean, he was battling real world until real world finally took over and finished second. But I mean, you can't, you can't knock that horse for, for his attempt at it, um, for running that. No, way. he's, He's definitely, I think, one that I'm really, really wanting to use, I think, in that second place position because we're world definitely probably the other horse behind Baid in this spot. But I just I, I just think there's maybe other directions you could look in here. So the one thing about real world, right, and, uh, we'll, and this will be the last thing I say about this race, um, is I'm willing to I'm willing to say that the fact that the horse is six of seven on turf and oh for six on the dirt tells me that he probably wants to stay on the dirt on the turf. Um, so I'm I'm more than willing to just say, hey, you know, I like I like that horse on the turf and keep him on the turf. He runs well on the turf, and you know, put him second, put him third. And you could probably make a little bit of money on a try if you just were to put him third and then throw Chindit and Accidental Agent in that second spot um, as far as that's concerned and probably do something. Yeah, I'm definitely thinking the same way you are about this race. Plenty of opportunities underneath, but I think it's going to be a tearaway win. It's going to be a case of name the distance for in the Queen Anne, but let's go ahead and move on to the second race here. It's going to be the Coventry Stakes for two-year-olds, a uh, field of 17. I think there's a lot of different directions you could look in this race. You know, we talked off air a little bit that any number of these horses can win this race. There's been some upsets two years ago. Nando Perando won at 150 to 1. An 11 to 1 shot won last year. And then uh, Aiden O'Brien had the favorite in 2019, Caleb's was a nice winner before that, but there's been a lot of prices in this race. So what are you thinking as far as the Coventry stakes? Um, I said, I told you off air, I think any horse can win this race (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. because literally they could. Uh, The one thing that I find interesting is that the horses that like Blackbeard, who's undefeated, uh, has really never been tested. And there's some other horses in here. Um, that have been Persian Force won a race by two and a half lengths, and he had three horses in the race. Um, so I'm willing to I'm willing to throw that horse out, kind of like fade that horse a little bit at the price of five to two, or three to one, or whatever. Um, I'll tell you a horse I really like in here. And when you go back and and you know we one of the things that I think we both do really well at is watching film on these races because I think it's a lot better than reading whatever they say, but show respect in his last race was actually getting leaned on, um, by catch the patty down with two furlongs out. And I mean, he basically just shrugged it off and kept going. And I know that's a lower, lesser, 
you know, right maiden stake race as far as that's concerned, but he's got so much room to improve. And I just think you're going to get a price at him. Why not take 20 to one, especially in the States? Um, I think that would be like a lot of, a lot of good stuff right there if we could do that. And um, that, that'd be my number one choice as far as horses are concerned in here. The other horse I kind of liked was scholarship who, who won a 10 to one in debut. He was behind horses had a shot, had a had a soft surface, which might happen tomorrow, and I mean, basically had to maneuver around horses, which for a two-year-old debut horse is pretty impressive, to say the least. So I like two prices in here. Um, I do like the two favorites, but I think you can make a point for the two long shots too. And um, for good measure, if you want a big price, you can throw King's Crown in there. Um, as you know, a horse that can you could use there. I definitely see what you're saying about the two favorites. And if I had to toss out one of them, I feel like it would be Persian Force because I I agree with you. I just feel like this one's not as tested. Blackbeard certainly isn't either, but I think Blackbeard is definitely the better horse of the two. And I think people may lean to play Persian Force, you know, kind of for stakes so i mean you might get a little bit of a you, you might get three to one or so on blackbeard i'm not sure but um really when you go beyond him i think the other aiden o'brien horse has a bit of talent himself so that was another one i considered and also bradsell and royal scotsman for me definitely have a lot of pluses in their resume i thought bradsell was particularly impressive and his 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 main special way win um royal ascot um or Royal Scotsman. Let me make sure Brad Brad Sell is the horse I was talking about. If I wanted to, because there was a maiden that was coming into this race that has lost a couple of races that I thought had a little bit of upside to. No, Brad Sell was the one I was talking about. Uh, his only start at York, um, I thought was impressive. He, is it too much too soon? He only broke his maiden about three weeks ago. Don't know, but we've seen horses like that win this race. Um, I'm with you. I think this is wide open. I don't know if I will be choosing Blackbeard because I think there's definitely other opportunity in this race. Also want to briefly touch on um, late September coming in for Rusty Arnold. Rusty's had a really good meet at uh, Churchill, so his barn's really hot right now. Saw late September break his maiden. Uh, this past meet at Churchill was pretty impressive, but nothing really has come back to run super well this far out of that race. I only think a couple have come back to um, run and neither broke their maiden but late september i see why rusty brought him here and he's definitely got that pedigree to run on the turbies by money he's out of a lemon drop kid mare so should continue to get uh better as the distances go longer not sure what his ceiling will quite be as he gets older but he also attracts the attention of colin Keane, so maybe one to think of maybe underneath at a little bit of a price it looks like he's 50 to 1 on the live betting right now that i'm seeing on racing post he, uh, let me see what I got for time for him, and I'll tell you. Let me see. Where is it at? Uh, I got time for him right now. They got, they use Hill. Let's see. The best price for that horse is 40 to 1. Right? Okay. So, so not too far apart. No. So, I mean, I, I honestly think that, I, I saw that race you were talking about. I just, I didn't like it. Um. The two horses that were in front of him pretty much just spun their tires the last three sixteenths of a mile. And, mm -hmm. you know, 
he just he was able to make a ground. So uh, that that's the only thing that I had a problem with. Yeah. No, definitely, definitely a long shot. I just think he'll move up maybe a little bit on the turf versus what he did on the dirt. So he broke his maiden, you know, impressively. But like you said, I'm not really sure what's behind him. But let's go ahead and take a look at the King Stand Stakes, one of the exciting races on the card. Going to be a clash between two champions, um, Everest winner Nature Strip coming up from Australia and our two-time Breeders' Cup winner, Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint winner, Golden Pal. Um, there's, as you, you know, we talked a little bit off there, there's plenty of other horses in this race to take a look at if, you know, something goes wrong with Nature Strip or Golden Pal. There's 18 runners, so certainly not a cinch with one of the two favorites. No, not at all. You want to go first? Sure. Before I poke, um, before I poke holes into everything? <laughs> Sure. Well, it looks like right now the nature strips favored just slightly over Golden Cow, which honestly kind of surprises me just a little bit. I kind of, you know, I see what some people are saying, wanting maybe some opportunity beyond these two horses in this race, although they're, you know, far and away the best horses in here. Uh, nature strip for me, I feel like, and I know they couldn't do it because of the COVID rules. I feel like he would have been better suited for this race last year versus this year I just there's just something about him that's straying me away a little bit but I do think when it comes to the flat straight furlong or five furlongs over Alaska I think he definitely maybe has an edge over Golden Powell because I think he can maybe handle that a little bit more whereas Golden Powell I think is the better of the two but I think he's kind of up against it in a way where he comes out of the starting and he's far and away the best horse because he's going to be traveling a little bit uphill and he's not going to have a turn to be able to kind of you know shut the afterburners off and then blast back off of it and almost kind of re-break, as you say. He's going to have to carry that speed the whole straight way, and it's going to, you know, try to come play catch me if you can and finish second at Royal Alaska. But he's had some questionable other um, form overseas. So I really wasn't sure, you know, what to kind of make of this, I guess. Um, but in the end, if it comes between the two, I think I would lean toward Golden Powell. But I definitely think there's other opportunities for race. I'm seeing 14 to 1 right now, Man of Promise, and 16 to 1 on Kings Lynn. Those are very, very both intriguing numbers to me. I think Kings Lynn is really improving for Her Majesty the Queen. And Man of Promise is coming off of a good race with a little bit of trouble um, in Dubai. So I definitely think there's other directions you could lean in this race with good horses if you're kind of up against those two favorites. I'm up against both favorites. Okay, tell me why. All right, so here we go. Number one, Golden Pell's been out here, been out royal in the UK twice. Both times he's, I would say the last time he ran at Newmark, I think it was at York, if I'm not mistaken. He yeah, didn't fire. He, he didn't fire, right? He just didn't fire. Then he was favored to win. Um, as a two-year-old, he got beat by the Lear Jet, um, and the Lear Jet I don't think has come back to win since. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. But... He won at uh, Kentucky Downs, but I think that's the only win that he's come back to. So have. that's that's the only one. So there's two, right? He mm -hmm. really hasn't beat much in the states, as far as turf sprinters are concerned. In my eyes, he's definitely by far and away the best turf sprinter 
in the country, right? In the States. It's not even close. Not even. Nature Strip has never been outside of Australia, ever. In, in all the times they've run, that horse never been outside of Australia. So why are they doing it now? That, that's my question. That's like my biggest question on that is why now? Why not just keep him in Australia, let him run in Australia, let him win, let him build up his, his well, I mean, he's a gelding, so there's really not anything. And at two to one via William Hill and um, for Golden Pal at seven to two, I just can't, I mean, if I got seven to two in the States on Golden Pal, I might actually think about it, to be honest with you. Um, but, um, <laughs> I just don't think you're going to get seven to two on Golden Pal. Oh, right? no, they'll hammer him. No, they're going to. So that, and also you're going to see a pace that's probably suicidal early on because there's a lot of horses that need the lead to perform here. So I'm going to go all the way out to uh, Twilight Calls, who's in form right now, who's run some pretty, a pretty good race at Haydock. Finishing second and should have won that race and sadly did not. Uh, and he just run he he's just an honest type of horse that that you can just see him you can just see him plugging away and getting the type of race that he's going to get here right because he's he's going to get pace to run at and that's what he needs. Um, I love Kings Lynn too. I think Kings Lynn is also one of those horses that I think if you get the price that they're putting honor in the States or him. Um, I think he's going to be tough to be. I think, I think it's going to be hard to say, no, I can't bet that horse. Right. Um, won the kazoo temple always finds, a, finds another gear um, worth, worth the gamble. If you get 15 to one on that horse. And now the two horses I put underneath man of promise is really intriguing. Like you said, I think the most intriguing part about him though, is that he's, this is the first time he's actually running four times in a year, in a calendar year, right. right? And to me, that shows that he's actually sound enough. I'll I'll go ahead and say that he probably needed um, more than three weeks in between um, the not Al-Sheba turf and the Al-Kyo's sprint and probably was a little bit tired off of that. And I think he's going to come in a little fresh. A little fresher, and when he comes in fresh, he runs his races. Uh, so I'll I'll take a gamble on that. And then the other one that you put underneath, and you have to put underneath, and here's the reason why: Tis Marvelous. Now, Tis Marvelous doesn't have a good record anywhere, but at Royal Ascot, twelve starts, four wins, one second, one third, five fourths. He's a superfecta horse, up and down for second, third, and fourth. Could put him on the wind end on a just on a flyer in case all the other stuff falls apart and you make a ton of money on him. So why not? At 20 to 1. And right now he's 50 to 1 and with William Hill. So why not? I was gonna say he's a 50 to 1 right now where I'm looking at it as well. I, I certainly agree with you. I think that's something that's intriguing to me. And I think we're kind of on the same page here. If you're trying to beat Golden Pal and Nature Strip, and certainly I think there's reasons why you could. There's Plenty, 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 plenty waiting to pick up the pieces underneath. And I thought it was really interesting. Um, Wesley Ward usually uses Johnny Velasquez or Frankie Dottori 
out here for these Royal Ascot races. Uh, Irad Ortiz is in the iron seat, the regular rider for Golden Pal and Love Reigns, who we'll talk about a little bit um, later on on a different show. But really putting that faith in Irad coming out to, you know, Royal Ascot to ride these races. I don't know if he's ever rode out here before. I'll have to take a look. But do you think it's interesting having Irad in the 18-horse field here with this horse? Um, yeah, because they don't, the one thing, the one thing I'll say about the European riders is that they won't give an inch in short, yeah. in, in sprints. So if he breaks slow, if he doesn't break fast enough, even if, even if he's like got a hole, that hole is going to close and they're not going to take the horses. I mean, it fits Irad's riding style where he likes to be really aggressive at times, but they're not going to give two rats butts about who Irad Ortiz is at Royal Ascot. No, he's just, he's just a American writer coming to take their lunch. And I'll take a European writer over an American writer at Royal Ascot. If they haven't raced here before. Yeah. I mean, you, you said it all. So let's go ahead and let's take a look at the St. James's palace stakes, the third grade one. On the card, the fourth race, there's 13 runners of a heavy favorite right now in Caribus. He's on the board right now at 8 to 11. As I'm looking at it, my Prospero, 9 to 2, and everybody else is double digits. What are you thinking in this race? Is uh, it kind of another case of name the distance the way it is with Baid and the Queen Anne? Do you think Caribus? Oh, yeah. <laughs> this cult is so good. He's so unlucky to not be unbeaten. He's just so yeah. unlucky. Um, you know, uh, the dam is a half to uh, the dam is a half sister to Thunder Snow, so he's going to get the distance. Um, I mean, it's only a mile, but I mean, he he came out strong. He likes the breaks in between. I just don't see how he gets beat. I mean, I just don't. I mean, William Buke's going to put him in the perfect spot, probably sit him off the pace and make one run and um, sit behind the leaders. And that'll be it, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, I'll tell truthfully, you. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, truthfully, I don't see how he gets beat either. Of all of the top three year olds that uh, Charlie Appleby has, I think he's got all of them this year. And I don't really think Aiden O'Brien has much to offer in his barn when it comes to the three year olds. Two year olds, I think, are a different story. But I would maybe go on, on a limb and say Caribus may be better than Native Trail and Modern Games. I think he's the top three-year-old that Charlie Appleby does have. So I find it, you know, quite interesting that those others who are not in here, he's already beaten Native Trail on the square once, and Modern Games was a bit disappointing in his last race and is coming over to America. So Krebus in here on his own. Um, I don't see any way he gets beaten in any way, shape, or form. I'm, you know, kind of thinking about what I would do underneath. And I think really the ones that I'm taking a look at at the moment, I'm a little bit interested in Mighty Ulysses, Berkshire Shadow, and maybe even for a little bit of a price, Bayside Boy. So I definitely think it could be kind of anybody's race underneath. I think they're all pretty evenly matched, but Krebus, uh, he should no way lose this race. Um, yeah, um, I guess we're both in agreement on that. I think Angel Blue's kind of interesting. You know, she just ran back for the first time since October in April. And didn't do too badly. I don't like the rider switch from from uh, the Tory to Hornby though. 
I mean, that's kind of disconcerting that that Lef- that Frankie doesn't stay on that horse, right? It's one of those deals yeah. to where you got to kind of question it, and Frankie ends up on Mighty Ulysses. So, what does that have to say about how? Is it just because he's riding for Gosden, or is it because there's more to that horse than we think? Right. That that's the big question. That's kind of why I circled Mighty Ulysses a little bit. Because if I can get 16 to 1 underneath an 8 to 11, which I think Grievous would probably go off to like 1 to 5 over here in the States. But if I can get, you know, at least 10 to 1 on Mighty Ulysses with Frankie to Tori up and John and Fazzy, Fatty Gosden at Royal Ascot, hey, I, I would take that for sure. Exactly. And then Berkshire Shadow won here last year in the Coventry Stakes. Yep. And my question is, is that was that race that she had last out a true measure of who she is, of who he is, or do we just say, oh, need at the race and he comes back and he comes and he runs a bigger race? That's that that's my question with that horse. Yeah, it was a little disappointing in the Kipco 2000 Guineas. Um, I had a decent amount of time off between the Dewhurst, and if you look at this horse's form, there's definitely definitely some spotty form um came out of a really nice performance in the vintage stakes at goodwood to run um honestly pretty bad in the gym crack then ran okay in the dewhurst and then you know as you said this is really not himself in the 2000 guineas i would maybe give him a little bit of a pass and maybe the last time i would try him would be on the track he really really likes here and uh, he's got james doyle up and james doyle's never been riding better he's actually you know having his best season thus far so i would maybe give this horse a little bit of a look based on the fact that he loves this track but other than that form leaves a little bit to be desired yeah and and that that'd be my only that'd be my biggest concern with that horse is Mm -hmm. is the fact that there is no form to say he's gonna run a big one and, and finish you know second or third but at the same time if you're getting what is it? Thirty-three to one on a horse that won over the surface. Then you kind of have to take a look at it and say, "Oh, I'll play it underneath, and hopefully, I get a, a nice exacta payoff there." Yeah, and you could kind of maybe say the same for Bayside Boy. I don't know if he's really like the step up and trip. Um, he's never been off the board except for when he was in the French uh, two thousand guineas last time out. Really, just never fired that day. He was thirteenth. Um, something had to have gone wrong in there, in my opinion, although he's had quite some time off. So I think if maybe you're going to want to use him ever again, it could be coming up in this race. And I mean, I guess he's 18 to one now. I thought he was maybe a little bit shorter than that, but I mean, still he's one to maybe consider as well. Yeah. And I, I mean, usually William Hawkins is, is more synonymous for having horses that are two-year-olds that are more precocious than three-year-olds. Right. So that's one of the reasons why I kind of fade my Prospero um, because of that. It, that. But at the same token, he's starting to be able to to show that he can train horses that, that aren't two-year-olds. So it's kind of like one of those, you you kind of have to pick your poison on that and see which one you're, you're going to get wrong kind of deal. I certainly agree with that. Well, is there anybody that, you know, you're kind of maybe wanting to – Take a look at any of these last three races. The Ascot Stakes and the Copper Horse Stakes are both handicaps. And then the Wolverton Stakes is a listed stakes race. So 
Is there anybody that's really jumping off the page at you in any of these races? I know um, the uh, Ascot Stakes is almost a mile and a half. Typically, they're going to bring some of the um, national hunt horses here and maybe get some flat racing underneath them just to kind of, you know, keep them, keep them tuned up. So there's a lot of runners in there for Willie Mullins and Don Queeley, Gordon Elliott, uh, their top national hunt trainers. They actually have the top three choices in here. So what are you thinking about these last three races? Uh, you know, as far as the Ascot stakes, I think I think the one thing you, you want to look at with some of these horses is you definitely want to look at, at who's getting the weight break, especially when you're going two and a half miles on the turf at Royal Ascot. I think weight break plays a big, big deal as far as that concerned. With that said, I... I like Marshall Plan in here. Two straight win, two. I mean, three seconds. These horses are rated between one hundred and one oh, and are between zero and one hundred um, at the time. I, you know, it could be anybody's, but I, I just think that Marshall Plan at eleven to one with Frankie up and Sir John Gosden is worth a look. And the other horse I kind of like in here is Pied Piper, who's coming off of the hurdles and. Ran really well on hurdles and now's trying the flats. So, um, you know, the, he's taking money right now, seven to one. Um, kind of like that one too. Those are the only two that I liked in that race as well. So I'll echo that. Let's go ahead. And is there anything you like in the Wolferton stakes? I think the direction I'm leaning right now would probably be Cadillac at the moment. Um, I believe he's drawn on the rail. So that kind of stinks. Um, but, or that actually might be his, uh, uh, form number and he's in the third post position, but, um, he just kind of, you know, I'm not crazy about Juan Altano in this race and they're kind of close to the same price. Uh, he's in here for Jessica Harrington, Shane Foley up, um, Cadillac is decently consistent horse. He came over and ran decent in the Breeders' Cup, um, in the past. So he's a horse that I've kind of relied on and he's. Had three starts this year. He's coming off a win in the Glen Karen Stakes. He was sixth in the Moores Bridge Stakes. And then he was third um, in his season opener at Leopardstown. So this horse has been pretty consistent at this distance. Um, so he's one that I'm really, you know, leaning on in this race. As far as anybody else underneath, I would maybe look at Herovian for Frankie and uh, Sir John Gosden and Fatty as well. But there's really nobody else in here that's jumping off at me. There's a couple of Godolphin entries but i'm not super super crazy about them really no huh. not really see and I, that's the first thing that jumped out at me right it's like you got dubai future you got star safari star safari at the beginning of the year they they had plans to run them on dubai world cup night and the wheels fell off on on him in the millennium right he ran set he ran he ran second, got beat ahead, and then they had to stop on him. So uh, he was really, really good form. And now he's taking a step down to a listed stake race at, at a distance he loves. And you're going to get 8-1, to 10-1 to one on him. I'll, I'll take that all day, every day, especially with New York. Interesting. I might have to go back and look at that. I'm just, you know, not seeing good form elsewhere other than when he broke his vein at Nottingham, other than Maidon. So I don't know if he's wanting to run in those higher temperatures 
you know, in the Middle East, but he will get warmer weather and he's going to get a firm turf course. So I kind of see where you're going with that. I might have to take a look at that one back again, but you, between the two favorites, I would definitely side with Cadillac up over Juan Alcano. Yeah. And I mean, if you're going to, if, I mean, the knock on Dubai future is he's always shown like a set, like they've always felt like he's been a good enough horse to run in group one races, but mm-hmm. I don't think he's a group one horse anymore. And taking the step down to a listed company stake race where horses are pretty much all evened out and him not having to face, you know, Sharir or Yabir or, you know, any of those horses stay foolish. To me, that kind of screams it. Now, well, do I think he's going to run off the page? No, I don't. Um, but you know, if you make a point for him, you got to make a point for, I mean, like you said, if you, you got a horse like Herovian who, who really didn't fire in, in Dubai and he really didn't fire in Saudi. So maybe he does want a cooler temperature, um, as far as that's concerned. But I mean, those are the only three that, that really step out and tell me that I want to play the race. And if I yeah. get the prices I get, I'm going to play it. Right. No, that that makes sense. So let's go ahead and let's take a look at the final race on the card. That one's going to be the Copper Horse Stakes Handicap. Um, I don't know how much he's taken a look really at this race, but there's some horses in here that I particularly like at prices. So did you really have any directions that you're leaning in this race? Uh, you go first and, tell, and then I'll I'll kind of follow suit because i keep looking at this race and i'm and i'm about ready to just throw darts at it (laughs) well there's a horse that i actually really like playing and i've made a decent amount of money off of and that's going to be uh raymond tusk he's at 33 to 1 right now has a difficult post i believe he's in post 18 or no his bib number is 18 he's in post um i don't know i get confused with the bib numbers and the post um i'll tell you right now well, he's not. It looks like he got scratched. Raymond tested. Wait, am I in the wrong race? No, it's the oh. copper horse. There he is. He's actually bib number two. Okay. Post All right. 18. Okay. That's what I, yeah, that's what I said originally. That's what I was thinking. So he runs really well at Ascot. And um, I actually really liked him about 50 to 1 last year in a handicap race. I think it actually may have been this race. And he ran second at a really big price. So he's done me very, very well here at Ascot. Um, he's a horse that has always stayed in consistent form. He's got a win in a third this year, or, or he's actually got a, sec- or a win in a second this year. Um, didn't really fire last time out in a grade two, was second in a grade three before that. I just don't think he's like maybe a hugely, hugely caliber horse to be a grade one or a grade two type of horse. Um, he, he would be one that I honestly think in a little bit of a weaker running in the Gold Cup later on this week could be one that could potentially get a price in there. But I'm really inclined, especially at 33 to run, if he's even close to that to play him in this race. I think Alanac could maybe fit in at 28 to 1. Um, those are just really talented horses from the past that maybe not be at their best anymore, but certainly used to be. Uh, you could probably say the same for Red Burden as well. But when it comes to the more, you know, kind of heavy hitters in here, Stowell, Makes a little bit of sense to me, but I don't care for Cleveland at five to two. I will say that. 
Yeah, I kept looking at Cleveland, um, and I was poking holes left and right on him because mm-hmm. he. So he, here's the rub with Cleveland. He wins. He wins a two mile and five sixteenth race by an act. Um, last out, and now instead of running him in the two and a half mile race, they come back and run him in a mile and three quarter. So I don't I don't know exactly what O'Brien's doing here. Um, then again, I'm not the trainer. That's one over a million, a hundred million dollars either. So that might be one thing. Um, I really think that the horse to look at here is Stoll. Um, yeah. If you go back, if you go back last year, finished third to Kamari, who's who's not a bad horse, right? Finished no, fifth to Yabir, beaten to beaten sixteen, but it's Yabir. And Yabir last year was probably probably one of the top, easily one of the top um group one runners in Europe, right? I mean he came over here and won. Uh you know, Juan de Multibon being a horse that has won over the surface. And near this distance is also a positive. Um, I don't like the rider switch to Mitchell because Mitchell's never won on him. But he's, I mean, if the price is right, then yeah, you might want to take it. And Thud, Thud Hope, uh, Tud Hope ends up over on O'Meara's horse, um, get shirty. So um, I think I think I would take a flyer at 10 to 1 with Stowall and, you know, play underneath with, with uh, Raymond Tusk and you know, uh, make some money that way, uh, go out with a big price and, and have some bullets for the next day. Yeah. I'm, I'm certainly agreeing with you there. Raymond Tusk was the one that really jumped off the page of me because he's a horse that's been good to me before. And, you know, sometimes I can go sideways if you keep playing those horses, but he's one that I've always just really, really liked. So I think he's one that I'm going to, you know, keep riding with here in this race at, at a big price and see what he can do. If he finishes anywhere on the board, I'll be really, really happy. Yeah. And they also, people also have to understand that they got that, you know, the one thing is, is that they're going to have to figure out the first day is always one day where um, nine out of 10 times the going is going to be the same way everywhere for the race. Yep. And so if you get a nest, if if you look at it and see something bad, then you know, you know, that's usually a good sign to to do something smart and just get rid of the race, kind of deal. Yep, don't be afraid to sit out certain races because there's certainly a couple that are really really complicated on this card, but definitely some that are cut cut and dry as well. Well, do you have any final thoughts for Tuesday's card for Royal Ascot? No, not at all. Not at all because I think we I think we're pretty much on the same page which is something we've because we've been we've done this for so long and we follow the same horses. I think we pretty much narrow it down and and even though we agree on a lot of things underneath I think is where you and I have both made our money and especially when it comes to listening to us. <laughs> I think one of the thing is is that if you play Caitlin's picks and you play my picks and you just box them uh, nine out of 10 times. You're going to, you're going to come out with a flat bet profit, um, which is kind of nice. Yeah. And especially in 
big races like this where there's so many runners, you know, those pools are going to be decently sized. So certainly lots of lots of opportunity to make money. It definitely won't be in the Queen Anne or the St. James's Palace. Um, maybe not the King's Stand either, but I think definitely the Coventry Stakes through the last uh, three races, there's a chance for big balloons in those races. Yeah. Um, let's hope Let's hope the King's Stand actually is a big price because that means I'm I got the right horses and in, in the right spots. <laughs> I still, I still selfishly want to see Golden Powell do really well. Cause I, I just, I love that horse. And Wesley said, you know, he's never been better and it's the best horse he's ever trained. And he's really, really looked the part. So he's, he's basically saying that that horse is better than, than the other horses he's brought over. Um, oh yes. He'll tell you that without a shadow of a doubt. Okay. Well, for so, his sake, I hope he's right. But, um, for my money, for my, for my pockets, I hope he's kind of wrong. Uh, <laughs> so do, do with that information what you will. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Take us out. All right. This has been another edition of the Goat Zoomer. We will be back very shortly with you uh, next day to look at Wednesday and Thursday's Royal Ascot races. They just made the declaration for Wednesday, kind of waiting on Thursday to get that cleaned up. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of, you know, kind of defections. Uh, the Queen Mary had an absolutely ton, a ton of horses scheduled, uh, 21 to run in that, and certainly some more moving and shaking along with the rest of the card. But hope all of your bets are winning ones tomorrow at Royal Ascot. I hope all of ours are as well. So hopefully you listen, kind of put these bets together, but get excited for a really, really enjoyable week of racing. And don't forget tonight at six o'clock eastern time caitlin free will be on to discuss the ascot card on twitter spaces and you can catch her at caitlin e free um on twitter and uh, we'll tweet out that along with the uh episode yes gonna be doing plenty of stuff i'm sure we'll be putting out picks as well for these races i know i'm gonna put some on twitter i'll definitely send them to andy too so we're gonna be just blowing this whole thing up all week so you won't have any problems finding who we like yep all right see or talk to you guys tomorrow